Hello there, listener, and welcome to Fishnets and Philosophy. I am your host, Mix Bell Morgan, and I hope you'll join me on this journey of connection as we embark towards conversations that will be deep, meaningful, and insightful. So if that sounds like something you would enjoy, then sit back, put your headphones in, and let's get philosophical. Hello and welcome back to Fishnets and Philosophy. This is your host, Mix Bell Morrigan, and I am joined by the wonderful Chloe today. So I know you through being a pole um, dancer, sensual mm-hmm. floor worker, <laughs> um, <laughs> and I saw you first on the Pandora's Box show. So just to introduce yourself, maybe what are your pronouns, kind of how you identify, and any, the, any other kind of general information that you'd like to throw out there. Yeah, so my name's Chloe. I'm 23. I identify as a woman, so it's she, her pronouns. Um, I have been dancing for about a year and a half. Um, I found House of Paul Bray, that's where I'm based, through a friend of mine. And that's how my journey started. Fantastic. Cool. That's fantastic. So I think, as you said, you found House of Paul Bray. So I guess the kind of first place to jump off through is... um, Given that Ireland in general is a very kind of still a bit of a sex negative country, like we've got a bit of a sex negative society. Um, We've come a long way, but we're still not where we should be. So when you started getting into pole, like was there kind of like a fear or anything like that about like what kind of reaction you might get from going into pole? Yeah, so years ago, um, my mom. It, it was in the same, it was in the studio, it used to be in Castle Street in Bray. And my mom had done a few classes with a woman that she used to work with. And that's how I first even knew that you could do it here. Um, so then like it got to the point where I, like I this summer before I joined, I had done like boot camps in the gym. Um, and it got really repetitive and I got yeah. bored. And so I gave that up and I was looking for something new to join. And I'd seen that a friend of mine was doing pole dancing in House of Paul Bray. So I was like, oh, it's the same place my mom went. And it's not owned by the same person anymore. Mm. But the classes were there. So I texted her. I said, look, how, who do I get involved? Like, who do I contact um, to get involved in this and stuff? And like, what kind of should I expect? Yeah. And she gave me the info anyways. I'm passing along to Ella. I contacted her and I put my name down and I started going. I had no idea what to expect. <laughs> I was absolutely <laughs> terrified. Um, I got so much stick off my friends. Mm. Um, my family thought it was hilarious. They were like, you're not going to stick it. There's a running joke that I join a million things. And I don't follow it through. <laughs> um, so I was so nervous and I had tried to get friends to go with me. Mm. And no one wanted to go. No one wanted to be a pole dancer. So I said, right, screw it. I went. I will never forget my first class. <laughs> I was like a baby seal. My skin <laughs> could not stick to the pole in the slightest. I didn't even know that there was such things as grip aids. 
all I knew was that okay I have to wear shorts because I need skin contact um I didn't realize how much skin contact would be needed for some things yeah and um, I was completely I showed up with like I think I had like a super value bag with a towel <laughs> some shorts and a spare t-shirt in it um and I got there and there was obviously girls that have been doing it like for a long time yeah. they're going like up and down like upside down I had no idea what any of these moves were even called I was like oh my Christ it was the hardest thing that I've ever done but I had so much fun and like it was scary and it was intimidating but it was such a welcoming space um I never like I was never ever made feel out of place everyone was welcomed um people of all ages all body types um ethnicities everything it was brilliant so I was like no I'm gonna keep at it and then I noticed that there was so it's called like tricks is where we do like the palm moves and then there's a class called heels which okay. was like the exotic dancing exotic flow etc um it took a while to build and I saved my little heart out and I bought my first pair of pleasers and I was like right I'm gonna do it and I'm raged that I didn't do it sooner it's everything that I could have ever wished it to be I still get stick over it and um, doesn't bother me anymore yeah. um I got to the point that having to book off time like uh from work to be able to go to my classes and I kind of worried about what to tell my employer um, right okay so <laughs> I just said oh I have like a dance class and no one ever really bothers I mean I post my moves and my videos etc on my social media um so my colleagues found out and they thought it was brilliant um they thought it was so empowering they were like you go girl they were like you're crazy um so I got like I'd bring in my shoes I got new shoes and I showed them they were like I don't know but it's brilliant like fair play and then it got to the stage where my employer asked what kind of dancing I do and uh, you assumed I did Irish dancing and I was like no I do pole dancing <laughs> and he was like oh okay um and then that was it um there was never never a problem and I worried I did worry that I'd get stick because I have like where I work so I was kind of worried um at the start there was a lot of things and even now that my parent like my mom would say don't put that on your Facebook you know no one wants to see this mm. so I just moved things to my Instagram um and I kind of keep up there like it's not a secret that I do it I just yeah. don't generally post on Facebook um, um I don't know maybe it's part of like feeling the whole Irish thing of being like shame but I have like my we did a photo shoot and like my profile picture is me up on a pole so <laughs> there's no there's no denying what I do like I never <laughs> would I quite frankly don't care um like you get creepy messages and stuff it just gets deleted like for the most part everyone's supportive and they're like I wish that I could do it too I'm like do it but a lot of people just feel the thing like oh no I couldn't like there's too much stigma but it's honestly it's their loss <laughs> yeah no 100 you've like said so many like great things there and definitely touched on kind of what I kind of was almost expecting because I think it's like anyone particularly in Ireland there is that kind of it's Ireland there's the 
everyone knows everyone somehow it's like particular Irish experience so it's like there is that level of like oh someone's going to find out etc so it's you kind of almost have to bite the bullet if you're going to pursue something that is Mm -hmm. worthwhile for yourself and on it being worthwhile for yourself that's actually leads me to one of the next questions I had and as you said yourself like you know you're glad that you went into it and like you haven't turned back so how much did going into pole sensual movement sensual flow how much did that help change the relationship you have with your body like like how empowering was it for you it changed it immensely um I've struggled with anxiety and bulimia for years um Mm. I've had body dysmorphia um everything like I've for as long as I can remember I've had hang-ups about my body and I did worry that joining Paul would completely set me back mm. um but it did the it did the opposite like even on my worst days I'm still glad like I may I, even on the days that I have to be like now Chloe like get your shit together you have to go to class like I feel better afterwards yeah um like it's so the Paul community is so inclusive like you can't help you can't like help or feel the love literally it sounds so corny <laughs> like we're literally like we class ourselves as a family like and that's the best way I could describe it um like it taught me to be more patient with myself and more patient mm-hmm. with my body um like I thought going into it like I had no idea what to expect I thought things were going to be really easy um even things that look so simple and they're not <laughs> it's hard <laughs> you have to really really work for it um and I like it just it taught me patience with my body um you just it taught me to keep going um it made me feel so much more confident in myself especially when you learn something new and you name mm. it there is no better feeling than when you finally get something um and then like especially like I was I wasn't keen on recording myself at first mm-hmm. and then I was like no like why not like I should be proud of what I'm doing and it's different like you watch your videos back and you're nearly like is that me like am I actually doing that I have never felt more confident in my whole entire life as I have since I started dancing like (laughs) I dance literally in my underwear (laughs) I dance half nude I don't care anymore I'm like you know what this is me this is my body this is what I can do like it makes you just feel so proud and like the power that you've got and owning it it's just like your confidence can't help but shoot up it is the most incredible feeling in the world and I've said it to so many people like there's genuinely no better feeling than when you're up on the pole and you're doing a spin and it gen- it feels like flying and it's literally like it's the best high to me personally it's the best high in the world and um, it's come from a point like where I never even knew that it could be possible for me to feel so strong or to actually realize no I am I've gotten to the point where I am strong like I used to pass out and stuff um doing simple things mm-hmm. and I'm like I never liked that girl like if only I could have told myself no this is what's gonna happen this is how the future is gonna go like I, I never n- never would have believed it my old self would be in complete awe of what I do now and you know like over time your muscles develop and your body mm-hmm. changes and I did freak out at first I was like oh I'm not really sure on how I feel but 
it comes with it and you just you learn to accept it like everyone's body is different um and it, it genuinely like that confidence and like the family feel of things and the support mm-hmm. like you you can't help but but feel confident and gain confidence it genuinely just like it just comes out of nowhere and kind of hits you like a truck yeah no well that's just uh so beautiful everything so much of what you said there was just like it's like you know something that you'd see on a motivational poster like it was just brilliant (laughs) like you know you can quote that and so many so many beautiful things there and also thank you for sharing your history about having like those and and eating disorders and all that because I know that must be a challenge and I know what you mean about the way like the confidence it kind of gives you and it changes your relationship with your body. Like mm-hmm. it was like, I'm in, I haven't done any proper classes. I've done a few zoom burlesque classes and I think <laughs> one zoom, uh, like floor work class, but that's about it. So I'm definitely not <laughs> in the realm of like, I'm still a baby learning to dance, but it really does kind of bring you into your body. It kind of like really mm-hmm. gives you that, gives you your body back in a way and it kind of like for me it was at like um, coincidental timing I guess at the exact same time that I was kind of questioning my gender and was like hmm what is gender what does a man mean does this do am I a man I don't know and when I was having all those questions was the same time that I kind of was like started to enter into the realm of like burlesque and stuff like that and I was like previously when I thought I was a man I was always like you know the type oh I can't dance no 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 dancing isn't for me like Mm -hmm. unless I had like there's a few beers in like I would never be any (laughs) form of dancing but like now it's like since I've embraced myself as non-binary but also doing some of those burlesque classes some of the floor work classes but also just attending events as well it's Mm -hmm. just like kind of like made me like be okay in my body and kind of moving and I feel like yeah I can do this dancing thing so yeah it really does give you a very great positive relationship back to your body and so transformative and actually you mentioned earlier and it's actually one of the questions I kind of brought was going to touch on you said how inclusive the pole community has been like as in different ages different body groups and Mm -hmm. uh, one of the questions I had which is um like for me, like when I'm looking at like the different shows that I attend, so whether it's like the mm-hmm. Taboo show or Beanie's Filthy Friday show, there's more and more incredibly inclusive and diverse shows that mm-hmm. have an array of different body sizes, genders, ethnicities, ages. And I firmly believe that just simply seeing different bodies embracing kind of sensuality and sensual movement can kind of will lead hopefully to mainstream society being more accepting of a multitude of bodies would you feel the same that we need to kind of see more different bodies at these type of performances um I think it's brilliant that like it was it genuinely like I, I can only speak from my experience with my studio yeah but it, it doesn't matter who you are like you you are welcome like everyone everyone is welcome everyone is treated the same 
nobody is made feel uncomfortable nobody is ever made feel unwelcome if anything we're like with open arms come come to us <laughs> um i know that there is two guys that i, that I know of that attend the studio um they're not in my class one guy is in advanced class one the other guys and it's honestly like i've watched the two of them perform it, it's beautiful it is completely beautiful i've watched a lot of um like paul videos on youtube and there is so many men that do it um and honestly it's amazing like i feel like you'd kind of think of like a general idea you think of paul and you're like oh it's a thin blonde woman Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> and it just it gen- it just isn't really the case like there's so many people so many different kinds of bodies that do it all looks beautiful um and I think it's probably the fact that in doing it you feel so beautiful in yourself and you feel so great about what you're doing that it just kind of oozes out into your performance and mm-hmm. it's really, really heartwarming to see. And I truly hope that it does happen more and more because everyone should feel great in themselves and in their bodies. And we've, all, we've only got one body for life. So we may as well love it. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, preach, <laughs> preach that message. <laughs> um, like 100%. Um, but yeah, no, it's, and it, it kind of comes down to like, like with anything really, but it really comes down to kind of representation. Because as you said, mm-hmm. there is that, ingrained image of what a stripper looks like of what Mm -hmm. a porn star looks like you know it's that one image of thin blonde big boobs stuff like that it's the one particular Mm -hmm. image like that's all that society kind of pushes and there's so much more diversity out there so it just shows like Mm -hmm. representation so whether it's virtually attending a show like Filthy Friday or Taboo and seeing different body types, different skin colors, different genders, mm-hmm. or even in the case of like, you know, someone in our mainstream sense, like, you know, Lizzo or Cardi B, different types of mm-hmm. bodies, like kind of really kind of being openly sexual. It, it's that representation. So it's like, once you kind of see someone who looks like you being celebrated, then you're like, I can mm-hmm. do that too. So yeah, it's like definitely that's 100% what we need to move towards is that representation. And um, I guess kind of speaking on somewhat on representation, but uh, kind of in the wider sense of the pole community, there is still, unfortunately, that division of sex workers yeah. who originated pole and then the hashtag not a stripper pole dancers like there's still that division mm-hmm. and the first show that I saw you at was Pandora's Box which was an aid of um Sway which for people who don't know is the Sex Workers Alliance Ireland a fantastic grassroots organization that does a lot of incredible work and um, so just for yourself like how important is it to you that we remove that stigma and judgment against sex workers within the pole community at large like and kind of have everyone just be more inclusive and accepting yeah so like I was delighted um to take part in the show um it, it was well it's like a, a, there couldn't have been a better charity that I was picked for yeah. 
um I personally feel like <clears throat> sorry I personally feel like you don't have any business being classing yourself as a pole dancer if you cannot acknowledge that it came from strippers and acknowledge the hardships they went through and they still go through and the stigmatization like I find there's a lot of people that focus mainly on pole fitness um Mm -hmm. and with the hashtag not a stripper but we wouldn't I me personally like we wouldn't have it it wouldn't be there if it wasn't for strippers and no like nobody's any better than anyone else it doesn't matter what your job is or who you are we are all the same we all bleed the same and personally I feel like when we die we're all gonna go into the same hole it's it's just life so I think it's really unfair and it must be really disheartening for someone who is a sex worker Mm -hmm. to see this and feel like okay they're appropriating my livelihood and see no wrong in it like it's brilliant that you can buy heels you can buy your outfits you can buy your classes everything but acknowledge that it came from strippers yeah and they like I said it in the video that was shown during the showcase um, Mm -hmm. about why it was important that literally like they walked so we could run it sounds so corny but it's true that like there's such a stigmatization and it's not right there's and especially like Instagram and they police like everything and TikTok. Mm-hmm. There is yeah. no difference than someone dancing around a pole wearing heels or dancing around a pole not wearing them. It doesn't matter if it's your job. It doesn't matter if it's your hobby. It is what it is. We enjoy what we do. And it's not fair to try and claim that this is a new fitness craze. Um, mm-hmm. No, I'm not a stripper. Strippers are dirty no they're not sex work is real work and I think that like there's such a stigmatization about it and it needs to end it's not it's not right it's not fair and you have the likes of OnlyFans starting and I feel like it's such a contradiction that a lot of people be like oh yeah I've gotten OnlyFans but I'm not a sex worker Mm -hmm. I'd send pictures anyways but I'm just getting paid this way like no it's you can't try and claim that you're you're so much better or you're so different if we're all the same yeah. <laughs> we are all <laughs> human beings yeah no exactly and like that's kind of comes up to, you know touches on the whole issue of the hierarchy which is like this ranking of like mm-hmm. what type of sex work is acceptable and what type of sex work isn't mm-hmm. acceptable and like that's the thing like you know i am not a sex worker I may I want to be I am doing everything I can to be able to get I'm like please give me money so I can show off naked I'm doing it anyway please (laughs) you know that's like come on (laughs) is it that hard but no um jokes aside like I'm not a sex worker so I can't make any claims but Mm -hmm. there is that like within the sex work community there is that kind of like infighting kind of like the same within the pole community there's like one division of actual strippers acknowledging where like pole originated Mm -hmm and then allies and then you've got the pole fitness not a stripper type camp so there's that infighting and division and then it's the same within sex work so you could have only fans girls who most of them 
just completely deny that they are sex workers, even though they're engaging in sex mm-hmm. work. Or even if you have OnlyFans girls who are like, yeah, I'm a sex worker, they'll still say I'm a sex worker, but I'm better than a full service sex. Like, so there's that distancing. So there's always yeah. like trying to distance from a different in quotation marks, because I hate this terminology, dirtier form of sex work. And yeah. it really is frustrating. And what makes it like an extra level of frustrating is that because of this infighting, it makes it so much easier for mainstream judgmental society to kind of pass laws that are damaging to sex workers because they'll... Yeah there's so much infighting that you can't rally against those damaging laws. Um, so actually similarly to kind of what we were um, saying and actually kind of on the whole hashtag not a stripper, um, like would you say like the reason that there is this stigmatization against like with those hashtags and just against sex work in general comes down to kind of society's misogynistic hatred of people being openly sexual as in like someone who's like not afraid to own their sexuality in an open way automatically gets like shit on gets hated like you know you're not supposed to be doing that your sex and sexuality is supposed to be behind closed doors would you Mm -hmm. say that that's linked as in the reason sex work is stigmatized is because people in general who are just openly sexual are stigmatized a hundred percent. Um, I mean, you see it from childhood, like from as young as being in school. Like, I'm sure, I'm sure every everyone, every school had in sorry quotation marks that girl who was again quotation marks a whore. Yeah. I just, and I don't know if it's just an Irish thing. I can't speak for the rest of the world. Yeah, but it's it's always the case. I'm you could ask anyone, I'm sure, and they'd be able to say, "Oh yeah, that's the girl that sleeps around. She's a whore." And I feel like there's such there is such a stigmatization about sex, especially in this country. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of it is hypocritical. Mm-hmm. If you take like a man, someone who identifies as a man. And he could sleep with, for argument's sake, 20 women. He is seen as, quotation marks, a lad. He is seen as a great guy. Um, He's put on a pedestal and commended Mm -hmm. for what he's taken part in. Whereas if you take a female, someone who identifies purely as a woman, and if she sleeps with 20 guys, she is a whore. She's a slut. She's dirty. No one wants that. It's it's the same scenario, but yeah. just the genders are different, and it's it's so hypocritical, and it happens all the time. You're taught to literally to keep sex behind closed doors, and we, we don't talk about that. It's it's not okay to be open about this. You're seen as someone who's dirty or someone who should be avoided. You're seen as easy, um, as someone who wants it all the time like it's okay we are not we're not taught that it's okay to be open about it and that's so so wrong and it's so damaging for so many reasons it literally like you're not taught especially in this country you're not taught proper sex education you're it's it's the facts maybe it's because 
of the influence of the church. In fact, it probably is because of that. Um, I remember in, Christ, I think it could have been third year in Home Ec, mm. I remember when they did the quotation, sex ed. <laughs> I'm sorry. My teacher, um, she spoke about contraceptives and she said to us, technically, we're not even supposed to teach this. Like, it's on the curriculum, but technically, we're not even supposed to tell you about condoms. We're not supposed to tell you about the pill. We're not supposed to teach you anything. I genuinely, like, personally, myself, I hadn't a clue. And the first time I had sex, I had not got a clue what I was doing. I was so scared. I had no idea. And it's, there's just, and there's so much misinformation. Like, it goes the same Mm -hmm. towards guys. Like, if we're not being taught about it, where are you going to go? The internet. Yeah. And that in itself is so damaging because real sex is not what you see in porn. Like, (laughs) in general, people, unless you're a porn star, you're not a porn star. Sex is not the way it's portrayed. And it's very damaging if you take a young guy or even a young girl, if they're watching it, and if they're watching, like, I know, like, people who do porn, that's fair enough. That's what they want to do. I would never shit on that. But you find a lot of it is degrading. And personally, I feel like a lot of it is degrading towards both the man and the woman. And a lot of it is purely focused on the man's pleasure and you put that into a real life scenario if you've got young guys and girls that have not been taught not not properly what it is it is very damaging and it's going to create probably long-lasting confusion and upset and and mental damage yeah what's happened yeah, no, like 100%. I completely like agree as well. And yeah, like um, in Ireland, particularly, we've got such a lack of any form of actual sex education. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, Dr. Caroline West, who's the host of the Glow West podcast, another fantastic podcast, uh, she actually just put out an article today in the Irish Examiner talking about that, how we need reform in sex education. Because at the moment sex ed if you get it is purely just kind of from the biologically essentialist standpoint in that it's yeah. all about penetration etc mm-hmm. no it doesn't talk about consent emotional nope. intelligence under relating to other people it definitely doesn't talk about queerness like nope. you know it doesn't touch on any of that and you're right as well like because we don't get any form of an education when i was in school our sex ed was from Accord, which is a Catholic organization. And all they taught us was abstinence. They didn't like that. That was it. That's the sex ed we got was don't have sex. Great. That's helpful. <laughs> um, and it's like, because you don't get that actual education, you turn to porn. And like, the thing is, porn itself isn't bad. There are of definitely, and you're right, there's a lot of male gays, not great porn out there, but porn itself isn't bad. What's bad is the lack of sex education, which means people are turning towards it, which is why, again, I'm beating the drum here, but I do it every time. I love what Cindy Gallup does through Make Love Not Porn, which is teaching Mm -hmm. that porn literacy and kind of like teaching that, 
knowing the difference between porn and real sex and make love not porn is about sharing that real sex because when it comes to society everything else we talk about in society favorite movies favorite foods all everything else is social like everything else is that's how you relate to people but then for some reason particularly the global northwestern society but just really the world has kind of made this decision of everything is social but sex that that's not <laughs> you don't talk about that outside of the bedroom which means people have such a terrible problem of being able to communicate their desires and what they like and like, just when you were saying um the first time that you had like sex you had no clue like it was the same for me in the sense that the first time I had sex I didn't tell the person it was my first time because I was just so I was I was so afraid thinking mm-hmm. if they know I'm a virgin they won't want to have sex like, it was yeah it was yeah just we don't we're not taught anything we're not taught how to communicate we're not taught what sex is what it can look like and there's just so much damaging messages that we get and yeah I definitely think in Ireland it really comes down to the influence of the Catholic Church that's the main reason I think um but yeah there's just so much damaging messaging um so kind of like linking back like about the kind of messaging we get so much of the messaging we get and particularly women and femme folks get when you're growing up is negative messaging about how your body is supposed to look how a body is supposed to look if you don't look a certain way then you're not desirable like you know, the whole thing of like, oh, better be, you know, beach body ready, all that type of negative messaging. <laughs> so kind of, we kind of briefly touched on it, but again, like, do you, like, do you think that people across the board should kind of like embrace, maybe not even just like pole itself, but just kind of like sensual flow, sensual movement, pole as well, do you think more people should embrace it as a way to kind of combat that negative messaging around the body? Yeah, I de- like I would encourage everybody and anyone to join. Um, not even like not even purely for I mean, it is fitness. Yeah. Like, there's no line. It's a it's a whole body workout. It's it's fun, but it is a workout. But I would, I would definitely encourage like I didn't know that I could move in certain ways or that I'd even enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, like it literally, it does. It makes you feel so empowered. It makes you feel so sexy. Um, it's, I, I could not encourage it more. Um, Cause it's not, it's, you're not taught to love yourself. Yeah. Not like that. You're yeah. not, you're not, you're taught that you should be covered up. Um, that whatever, you want to get up to is don't mind closed doors that mm-hmm. you should be modest you should like you shouldn't be in quotations a tease and then on the other hand you're taught that you shouldn't in quotations be approved um there's yeah. no you're not taught of any balance and you're certainly certainly women are not incur and men you're not encouraged to embrace yourself you're not encouraged yeah. to embrace your sexuality you're not encouraged to be sexual especially not in this country um it's it's not it's not a thing so I think it's very important that there is outlets like Paul 
and like flow classes that offer this and that show you look, it's okay to feel sexy it's okay to look in the mirror and look at yourself and your body and say you know what I'm a fine piece of ass I'd bang me like that is okay and it should be encouraged um because it's one of the number one things that I got asked a lot when especially when I first started and even still mm. now is how do you like how do you get so naked like how how do you feel okay doing that and it's because I literally you brought like big yourself up as I said you've got one body for your life why not enjoy it like yeah. it's okay it's okay to be quotations conceited and to literally look at yourself and look at your body and be like you know what I'm beautiful I am desirable like there's a funny thing I've seen before and I always think of it and it said like you may not be someone's cup of tea but you'll be someone's shot of whiskey and it's so true it sounds so silly but it's true there's no one size fits all like everyone desires different things and it's okay and I feel like you're not even taught that that's okay like you don't have to look at what like a picture perfect woman or man should be like what thin big boobs long blonde hair tan skin or six pack six foot tall um dark hair that's for a lot of people it's not attainable and it doesn't have to be like fair enough if you look like that and you want to look like that that's fine you do you but everybody is beautiful in their own way it does not matter what you look like or what size you are or what height you are or what you identify as we're all who we are and I think once you embrace that I am sexy I am desirable. Like once you own that, it literally it comes out words. Um, that that's just been my experience. Yeah, no, one hundred percent. Actually, you mentioned kind of something there, which I think is really it really kind of hits home on a big point. But you said that you get a lot of questions from people, kind of going like, "How can you get so naked?" And mm-hmm. that's I think something that is really prevalent in the sense that people in general aren't comfortable being naked and not even Mm. in like a sexual sense just their naked bodies people are almost socially conditioned to kind of hate their naked bodies of all genders and Mm -hmm. I think that's one thing that I'm like I was very grateful uh, to my parents for like partially raising me as like a nudist in the sense that we would go to naked beaches with my grandparents and like so all of us like having picnics naked but it was like that thing of just being social naked removed that that conditioning of like your naked body is something that's supposed to be hidden it's you know it's not supposed to be something shared or whatever so because I didn't have that growing up I never really had any kind of like problems being naked I definitely had like you know parts of my body that I wasn't a fan of I think almost everyone goes through something like that at some point in their Mm -hmm. life like I definitely had moments like that but I never felt like bad being naked and I'm so grateful I had that Uh, in my formative years and I definitely think it's something that should be more 
normalized is mm-hmm. just embracing the non-naked sexual body because the naked body itself is not inherently sexual like if you're just standing mm-hmm. in your bedroom after coming out of a shower and you're just looking in the mirror you're not sexual then you're just that's just the naked body mm-hmm. it's sexual when you bring the intention to this um so yeah i definitely think it's something that we should bring forward and yeah pole flow work stuff like that is another great way of kind of bringing people closer to having a positive relationship with their body but there is another thing which you actually um kind of touched on and i think it kind of because one of the reasons that you actually like first messaged me on instagram was because i had done a previous uh solo podcast episode on the big massive issue which still isn't going away of image-based sexual abuse in Ireland and mm-hmm. like that's why it reached out to me and so there was something that you kind of touched on which yes. I think will lead into being able to just briefly kind of talk about this just as a general problem for Irish society um but you mentioned how like there's like women there's this messaging that women like can't be a sexual they can't be open because then they're a whore but they also can't be prudish or closed Mm -hmm. off because then they're a pretty you know there's like there's no winning but it's the same I think that type of it's like it comes down to something that a lot of men pursue which is the whole Madonna whore complex in the sense that their ideal partner, their ideal woman is someone who hasn't been, again, in quotation marks, because the whole social concept of virginity is just ridiculous, but someone mm-hmm. who hasn't been tainted by another man. But then yeah. they also want a woman who is going to be the kinkiest, filthiest <laughs> woman in bed. <laughs> they want both, which like it's a catch-22. <laughs> you can't have both. But yeah. um, I think that type of of what men are looking or a certain type of man, not all men, because I don't want I don't want people coming for me. <laughs> but who can? No, fuck you. Who cares? Um, if there's someone's gonna throw it out, I, mean, I don't care about your opinion. But <laughs> um, a certain type of man who has that view set of what they're looking for in a woman, I think that's the exact same type of man, lad, that isn't going to see any problem with the non-consensual sharing of intimate images mm-hmm. also known as image-based sexual abuse and at the end of the day that's what it is like a lot of mainstream society like you'll see newspapers headlines and stuff like that will refer to it as revenge porn no mm-hmm. no no no. porn insinuates that there's consent involved there is no consent with the sharing of these intimate images so it is mm-hmm. sexual abuse but my question after that little rant, <laughs> my kind of question that I kind of have is, do you think that, like, particularly in Ireland, do you think that if we can kind of have that shift, whether it's like, well, it has to be through it, but like through better, more comprehensive sexual education, people just being more receptive and open and having dialogues about sex and sexuality. Do you think if we have a shift towards that more open and receptive society, we'll see that shift of the anger 
being directed at the abusers and not the women who've been abused in this with IBSA. Do you think that will happen if we have that shift? I hope so. Yeah. Um, I truly, I truly hope so. I hope that there is a day when the women won't be like they won't be like ostracized for it, mm-hmm. and they won't be the ones that feel like they're to blame. But I'm not entirely sure that it'll ever happen because mm-hmm. purely because there's a mentality of boys will be boys, mm-hmm. and it boils my blood. And like what you said there at the start. The whole not all men. Well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. There is enough <laughs> men for it to be a problem to begin with. Yeah. So whoever is going to chime in with that can go and take the boat. Quite frankly, um, I don't know if it'll ever happen. I mean, I think the my first kind of experience with it personally was I was in secondary school, and I would have been, I think I could have been in sixth year. So as I was 16 and I remember there was a group chat on WhatsApp that went around. It's similar to the Discord scandal. Mm. There was images and videos that were put around in this WhatsApp group that the girls had no idea. They had no idea they were in it. They had sent these images or videos to someone they trusted and it was abused. Their trust was abused. And it was put into this group chat for everyone to see. It was a huge problem in my school. And my school probably wasn't the only one that had this problem. Mm. And the guys saw no wrong in it. No wrong. And a lot of the girls, and quite frankly, I'm going to put them on blast. My friends at the time thought, no, if she sent those pictures, then she deserved it being shared around. And I just, it was so sickening. And these, like, then I felt like, because I felt like it wasn't their fault. I was like, they sent it to someone they trusted. If it was me personally, my images are being shared. I'd be absolutely disgusted. And I'd be so ashamed and so mm-hmm. upset. And here were my friends saying the opposite. No, it's it's her fault. You know, the, the lads are having a laugh. What is to laugh about? What is there to laugh about images being shared of underage girls where there's guys of up to 18 viewing them, that that's abuse. Yeah. Like, it's not okay. Um, and, and they saw no wrong in it. And even, like, I remember the girls themselves were in trouble for it, more than the guys. And this, like, I'm only 23. Like, this wasn't that long ago. It's not like yeah. this was back in, like, the 90s or back years ago. This was recently. It's yeah. still a problem. And like you see it all the time. If images are. So we mentality. And until that changes, which I think it's so ingrained that I don't know truly will be. But until that changes, I don't think there will be this shift that needs to happen. Um, quite frankly, that's my opinion on it. Which yeah. is deplorable but as a society that's that's just the world that we live in at the minute yeah no it's you're so right and like you know at the end of the day I kind of like 
I'm kind of probably in the same boat as you in the sense that like there's always like a part of me that wants to be like you know the like you know shiny as a rainbow optimist thinking it will all turn out great but most there is a lot louder pessimistic part of me that's kind of like I don't think it will and yeah it is it's incredibly deplorable and I think what I saw a lot particularly with the discord server um, which was another thing like and again it comes back to this whole way of this, this stigmatization of sex work but it was like there was a lot of like um conversations and discourse kind of saying that oh well the women who were taken advantage of who sent images or videos to someone they trusted though they're they're not at fault like we you know they're we should advocate for them they they are victims here like you know they're not at fault but at the same time they were saying Oh, but those girls that have um, OnlyFans, well, sure, they put it out there for anyone to see. So they deserve to have it shared outside of their paid customer base. And it's like, again, it's the stigmatization of like, it was almost like <laughs> it was one of those things where you could just see the point has just gone over your head, buddy. Like yeah. It was just like, you're almost there. It's just like, it's mm-hmm. the whole like. The whole thing is consent. It doesn't just apply to some people and then not to others. It's an across the board thing. So with an OnlyFans person, sex worker, whatever, they're putting out their images and videos for their specific subscribers. So they're consenting for their paid subscribers to see those images and videos, but they're not consenting for those images and videos to then be stolen and shared on Discord you know servers amongst Mm -hmm. other people who aren't subscribing and paying for the content so it's like people just will refuse to empathize with sex workers whether it's online Mm -hmm. sex workers like only fans cam girls or if it's in-person full service sex workers like or even strippers like just anytime there's a sex worker mainstream society is like we can't uh, empathize with them Mm -hmm. But yeah, like, um, and you're right, like when you were saying that that was back when you were in school, not that long ago. And it, it really it feels like every, almost like every few years, there's some form of like, new, like mainstream news headline about something like this. And everyone's up in arms and we have the same conversation of people like myself and yourself who are kind of like no this is wrong we need to have a change and then people on the other side who are like oh they had it coming because they shared it and then the conversation just stops and then in another few years we have another mainstream like it's like we're not having that shift and I think the only way we'll have that shift is if we have a comprehensive sex education in schools like Mm -hmm. um because yes a lot of like you know a lot of it is what you're taught at home as in like you know parents are obviously of course somewhat responsible for the messaging that they're giving their children but at the same time parents aren't trained sex educators (laughs) and especially given in Ireland, given that we have generation after generation of not having any sex education, we can't really expect parents to know what to do. So we need to bring sex educators into schools. 
and just teach age appropriate sex ed from like as you like like you can teach consent from four onwards yeah. like teach like as and I'm like happy to know that I have friends who have young kids who are teaching consent in the sense that they're teaching their children that their bodies are their bodies so like every people have to ask them for a hug their parents as well like that that starts at home that type of messaging and then it needs to be coupled with a scholastic educational comprehensive sex ed but that's that's something I think and again, it feels <laughs> so many of these things feel like particularly Irish problems, but that's just probably because of our biases that we don't know anything el- anywhere else. But it does feel particularly Irish. But there is that thing of like, you aren't taught consent as no. a kid, like as a kid, like, you know, don't get me wrong. I love my grandparents. I love my families. I'm someone who has a love language of physical touch. So I'm like, please mm-hmm. touch me. I'm ha- like, I want to be touched. <laughs> but <laughs> still in general, though, you would just be at like a, some form of family gathering. You just have like a random adult just give you a hug like out of nowhere and yeah. you wouldn't be expecting it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we just <laughs> like, I'm assuming, like I keep hearing the yeses and nods. So I'm assuming you're in the same <laughs> camp, but it's that yeah that we need to have this consent taught from a young age and we need children like we need children to be taught their bodies are their bodies and they have you know ownership of their own bodies but we also need to teach like treat children like people they're small people but they're still people and I think that's something that doesn't happen as well or it particularly didn't happen with like my generation maybe like yours as well but it's that thing of like I'm the parent like you know (laughs) everything I say goes type mentality yeah and not like trying to not like kind of going allowing space for the child to voice their discomfort to kind of be like this is what's making me feel it doesn't matter (laughs) it's my house my rules type thing um so how do, like I know like I'm, I'm asking all these how are we changing the world like as if like <laughs> we have the answer but um how do you think like we kind of will get towards better like parenting in the sense that people are like children are raised consent from your early age and raised as people individuals um but also do you think we will have some form of comprehensive sex education come in or do you think that's like not until the catholic church leaves the country (laughs) yeah like i've like i've seen it online like where an article and it'll be like oh we need to teach our children proper sex education and parents go off the rails i'm like my child does not need to be taught this this is too much they're too young you're normalizing this and you're normalizing that and it's it's not okay like they're they're children let them keep their innocence well I like I'm not I'm personally I'm not a parent I'm an older sibling I'm not a parent yet but get a grip literally it goes right back to what you said like as a child like you said yourself maybe it was just your generation like it was the same for me you're at a function and you're told hug this person 
or this stranger comes over and kisses you on the cheek and you're not okay you're not okay with some stranger like getting in your personal bubble and especially giving you a kiss where you'd only get it off like your parents or a family member but if you kick up a fuss you're rude Mm -hmm. that's not an okay message and it does fall on the parents from that age it's i know it's not entirely on them but it does you children should be taught and especially they should be taught the right terminology about their body hair 100 percent. because how i had i had this conversation with my partner the other day i said how is a child supposed to let you know what's happening if something awful is going on if they don't even know the right terms for their body yeah. if you give something like a pet name in in a general conversation if they speak of it that's not going to raise alarms yeah. there's nothing dirty about teaching children their body parts their only body parts as you said earlier you're not sexual until there's intent it is okay to know your body parts and yeah. from a young age you, you should be taught and um, I, I firmly believe and you know I like I don't you don't see it happening and then years go by and what comes out in the newspapers such and such happened when I was a child yeah. you know and I feel like these things could in the future especially be avoided be potentially avoided um or nipped in the bud, so mm-hmm. to speak. And especially like it go it literally it all comes back to consent. Like you're not taught, like you're little, you're not taught that it's okay to say no. It's okay yeah. to want your personal space. And then sometimes some people end up in situations and they don't know that it's okay to say no. Mm-hmm. And then they feel like it's their fault and they feel like they have this dirty secret that they have to keep. And it could literally have all been avoided if only they yeah. had been taught proper consent. Yeah. Because, like, if you take someone, if you ask, say, a school going child, a, sorry, a school age child, like, if you ask them, like, what consent is, like a teenager for argument's sake, they'll say, oh, it's saying yes or no. But it's so much deeper than that. Mm-hmm. Like, there's so many instances where, like if you're having sex with someone, like people, like a lot of people, I didn't know, a lot of people don't know. You can turn around and say, no, I'm not actually okay with this anymore. And that is yeah. okay. There's yeah. nothing wrong with it. And you're not taught that. And you end up in situations. Mm-hmm. Like it happened to me um, a few years ago now. It's an ex-partner of mine. We had gone out and we were both drunk. He'd walked me home. And tried to force himself on me. And I didn't know that. I didn't even know what had happened. For starters. Mm. Just that I felt uncomfortable. And it had caused an argument. And then the next day. And you're feeling like. Okay did I. Did I lead him on like. Did I give out signals that I wanted this. Because I, I like hands on my heart. I gave him a good night kiss. And a hug as I would. He was my partner at the time. Um, I did not want what exactly. else he tried to do. What else happened? I didn't ask for it. And then because there's that doubt and I was a good bit younger, mm-hmm. you, d- you don't know any different. And you're thinking, like, 
I remember texting my friends and telling them the situation and they were as confused as I was and they were like um you know maybe you gave them the wrong idea but I know now I didn't yeah I definitely didn't and I should like if I had been taught I know for a fact if I'd have been taught proper consent I would have not I would not have kept on I would like I held that secret until the relationship ended years later Mm-hmm. and now I'm in a position where I worry will it happen to someone else is it my fault because I kept it a secret and I remember we had an argument about him I'd brought it up to him the next day when he woke up he was sober mm-hmm. and at first he claimed that he didn't remember what had happened and that should have been my first red flag mm-hmm. and it wasn't and you know then it turned into oh well if you tell you know, you won't be able to see me anymore. And of course, like I was young. Like yeah. this, this was the end of my world. I was like, oh no, like I would have done anything to avoid getting him in trouble. That should have also been the biggest flag. He knew what he did was wrong, but I didn't. And that's what people like that prey on. So it is so important to teach proper consent because it's at a point now where there was no punishment. It just possibly couldn't happen. And too much time had passed. If in the moment I knew that what happened was wrong and I knew that I could talk about it and that I didn't, I wasn't to blame, that I hadn't done that wrong because I felt like I had, then proper punishment could have been administrated. And, you know, it, it would have ended. But you're not taught. You're not, if you're taught to fear the dark man in the alley. You're taught to fear the stranger. You're not taught to fear the person that you love or you think you love. You're not taught to fear the people closest to you, the people that you trust. And that that needs to change. And I don't know why it hasn't. I, like Because it comes out in the paper, literally every so often, as you said, these scandals happen and it comes out and it's like, why was nothing done? The solution is there. It's just not been implemented. I feel like this country protects predators. And in my personal views, it links back to the church and the priests. And until that's eradicated, it probably won't change. And that's that's just how I feel about it. And I wish that it was different. I truly hope for a day where things are changed. But it just doesn't seem likely. And it's... You know, it's disappointing because religion shouldn't be seen as something that's evil. But when you've got this happening, how can you feel any differently about it? And it's just, it's just such a shit situation overall, to be honest. Like you're, you're wishing for the removal of our religion and then then I feel like you're left with okay but what is there to believe in then you know is it even okay to have a faith now, this is getting all terribly deep now yeah. <laughs> well I do I have know. philosophy in the name of my podcast so it's <laughs> it's kind of like it's kind of like you know a given it's gonna go there at some point um, <laughs> but firstly I just want to say like thank you for sharing that with me like that no problem. like thank like that's like I was very um like touching and I like again 
I'd say the sad thing, but I'd say anyone who kind of a lot of like women and femme folks particularly who listen to this will have some form of resonance to that. Like there's, mm-hmm. you know, F, unfortunately almost every woman um, femme person has had some form of similar experience and yeah like like I think like the way we'll have a shift like again it's like the pessimist in me is like it's not going to happen. Stop, try, stop trying to. And I'm like, no, I'm going to do it one conversation at a time. I'm going to try and change the world. I'm going to do it. But um, it, like, I think what well, the, the way we'll have that shift is if we can just, as a society, particularly in Ireland, but globally, but particularly in Ireland, um, if we can just openly talk about what good sex is, as in talk mm-hmm. about pleasure, talk about what gets us going talk you know just have open non-judgmental non-shaming conversations about sex if we can have those conversations that means it's going to be easier for those difficult conversations about mm-hmm. like cases of abuse assault to be had and to be heard because I think the reason particularly in Ireland why nothing ever gets done and I do think you're right as well we are a nation historically that protects predators whether Mm -hmm. it's Magdalene laundries just general church abuses right now what's going on with the direct provision centers like you know that's a different type of abuse and predatory behavior but it's still happening right under our noses it's basically the laundries again but it's for immigrants so people don't care um but i think that's how we'll have that shift is if we can have those open dialogues about sex and sexuality pleasure and everything that falls under that umbrella it makes it easier to have those difficult conversations about when abuse and assault occurs and it means that people are more likely to be believed because we're able to talk about sex in general so that means that people are more receptive to hearing when something's gone wrong and as you said we're not taught from a young age what consent is how to say no that you know we're not taught those important lessons so that when something does happen you're almost left as you said doubting feeling am I to blame like it's so angering and tragic that that happens and yeah I'm hoping that we will have a shift towards a more positive receptive Ireland and world so I think we're, we're coming up just over an hour now so we'll kind of mm-hmm. start to wrap it up because I feel that we could just talk about big topics <laughs> for hours like so, and like I think after an hour people start to go okay no this is too much talking <laughs> um, but uh, I like to wind down the podcast each time with three questions Um the first one is always like I have no idea what way it's going to go, but my podcast is called Fishnets and Philosophy, so I'm going to ask it. So my first question is, 
when you hear the word philosophy, what comes to mind? It could be nothing, or it could be like what comes to mind when you hear the word philosophy? Books. I I think of books and like philosophers. But if you ask me like what a philosopher is, I probably couldn't tell you. I'd just say someone smart, someone that's full of a wealth of knowledge that just wants to spread it. That that's that's what I've got. <laughs> no, I love that answer. And um that's what I try to do, spread my knowledge and information through these conversations. So yeah, I'll take that. But also as well, I love that your first response was books because that was my first introduction to like like philosophy thinking about the big topics was through reading like I remember as a kid my dad read me The Hobbit and then I read The Lord of the Rings and I was like after he read that to me and those books hugely philosophical they deal with big topics life death romance love all those things big topics so yeah books is a gateway to philosophy I love that okay next um question Right now, given the kind of whole current shitstorm that the world is, but what is something that is giving you joy, something that you're joyful for? My family's health. I'm I'm blessed that my family is healthy and happy for the most part. I have lost an uncle a couple of years ago, and I'm very lucky that that's the only loss that I've ever had I've had my family my whole life and yeah everyone seems to be doing good (laughs) no that's that's fantastic and in these weird times as well of globally and locally a lot of loss for a lot of people being able to have that Mm -hmm. is great that's a great thing and then the last one given that we, we kind of mostly ended the main chat on the world is shit. People are shit. We're not going to improve. We're not going to change. But what is something you're hopeful for? <laughs> a better future to raise the next generation in. Um, that's why I'm truly hopeful for. A, a better world for them. Fantastic. Yeah, and 100%. I, that's what I'm... <laughs> through one conversation at a time <laughs> I'm hoping to bring about a be- better generation so one conversation talking about sex queerness and everything's fun <laughs> will hopefully bring about a better world but yes no thank you so much Chloe for coming on thank as a you. guest and speaking with me it's been fantastic we've covered an amazing array of com- topics but before I let you go where mm-hmm. on social media can people find you if you want people to find you <laughs> Yeah, so I have Facebook and Instagram. My Facebook is Chloe Nolan. My picture is myself on a pole. <laughs> and my Instagram is, to the best of my knowledge, Chloe underscore Nolan XX. I would have to check that, but I follow yourself, so <laughs> I, I can be found there. Um, I'm also on TikTok. Uh, my name is... It's at the C and L is silent as it's a little laugh on my name because it says ho. So I just thought it was funny. And that's where you can find me. <laughs> Perfect. Well, that's wonderful. Thank you again so much for coming on there. Hello, listener. Thank you for coming on this journey with me. If you would like to be there for the next stop on this adventure, 
then please like, subscribe and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Follow my Instagram, which is mixbellmorrigan. That's M-X-B-E-L-M-O-R-R-I-G-A-N. And tell your friends that you too want to help make the world a better place, one conversation at a time.